We've all heard the saying, birds of a feather flock together, meaning people of similar tastes hang out with each other. And thanks to the internet, getting together with people who like the same things you do couldn't be easier. I'm George Boldarki, and this is Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. A couple of weeks ago, I got this idea to see what kinds of groups I could find in New York City that helped to define the expression, birds of a feather flock together. And I can tell you, it wasn't hard. In fact, the popular site meetup.com just about made it one-stop shopping. There are meetup groups for almost every activity under the sun, from knitting to hiking. Scott Heiferman's CEO and co-founder of Meetup.com. He joins us this morning on the phone. Scott, thanks for taking the time. Yeah, no problem. How did you conceive of the idea for Meetup.com? Well, Meetup is a simple idea. It's not a new idea. You know, people um, people meeting up and forming community uh, in their towns and their neighborhoods. But um, it was it was actually it was sparked by uh, by 9/11. Uh, the experience that I had was just talking to more neighbors in the days after 9/11, living here in New York. Um, than I had, you know, in, in previous uh, years of, of living in New York. And people um, were helping each other out and turning to each other in small ways and big ways. And so Meetup was just a, a question of how can people do that a little more easily. So we thought, uh, let's um, let's make it easy for people to, to meet up. So it all started here in New York, but you are now doing this all over the world, right? Facilitating meetings. In how many places? There are meetups going on in 100 countries, but it is mostly U.S. And, and uh, you know, spreading uh, spreading outside the U.S. Uh, more and more. How many meetup groups would you say are presently listed on the site? There are. We're about to cross the hundred thousand um, meetup group. Wow. Um, that will that will um, be there. And you know, we're we're about also to. Uh, we we just crossed the ten millionth member of all the meetups. We also had one other nice round number milestone, which is that a million. Uh, that, you know, all the meetup groups they got they got a million joins in the month of January. We're proud of having, um, you know, made something that people, you know, turn into real life. I mean, we all we do is make a make a, a platform. All we do is make a website, you know, and it, it's nothing without the way in which people use it and how they, you know, just the, the, the variety of all the meetups and how uh, how they help people's lives go far beyond uh, what, we, what we imagined. You know, we thought that this was going to be something, uh, you know, kind of small and niche, but realize that, no, it's a universal need that everyone, no matter what's important in their lives, uh, can benefit from from community locally. Yeah, the meetups really run the gamut. What's the most interesting meetup group you've seen pop up there? Uh, you know, there's always so many interesting ones. We, I actually just last week met, uh, uh, somewhat, um, met an organizer of a meetup in New York for women under 5'8" who want to play basketball. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's the, the, like basketball for vertically challenged women, I think is the name of it. And so it's really great. Like she's got all these, you know, who, who would have thought that there was such an unmet need for women five, eight and under who just want to play basketball. And lo and behold, she, she starts to meet up and now there's all these, you know, basketball games going on all the time. And all it took was her to sort of say, okay, I'm going to plant this flag in the ground and, and, uh, and, and people love it. I guess if you create the meetup, they will come, right? Exactly. (laughs) 
All right, Scott, thanks so much for your time. Okay. Scott Heiferman's CEO and co-founder of Meetup.com. Among the groups I stumbled upon while perusing that site was a ukulele meetup that gets together at Maui Tacos, a restaurant in Midtown Manhattan. My name is Makalina, and that's how they know me as, Makalina, and I'm the organizer of the New York ukulele uh, meetup group. Okay, welcome to the uh, New York City ukulele meetup. For those that are new... We are going to do one round of one song, and then we'll have our photo op, and then do another round. I say ukulele. You don't say it that way. <laughs> I know. It's in, in Hawaii, the, the U's are short, so it's ukulele. Uh, and here, in the, I guess in the mainland, they say ukulele. Uh, Y-U-K, sometimes like they say ukfest or ukfest, or, you know, but it's, uh, it's ukulele. You'll forgive me if I refer to the instrument as a ukulele throughout this interview, okay. right? Okay, good. <laughs> no problem at all. So you're native to Hawaii? Um, I, well, I lived in the islands of Hawaii, originally born on the island of Guam, and uh, lived around there, the Marianas Islands, the Caroline Islands, uh, Polynesian Islands. How long have you been playing the ukulele? Uh, well, um, in school we would do, you know, uh, in the island of Palau is when I first picked it up. Uh, we would, you know, sit around and just play songs and follow each other's fingerings. And then uh, when I came to New York in the 70s, I uh, actually started picking up the ukulele there. Here in New York? Yes. Right here in the city? <laughs> yes. And when I got married, my husband was actually taught me a lot more on the ukulele than, uh, than I ever did learn. Because <laughs> when you're in the islands, you just want to, you know, have fun and all that stuff when you're growing up, you, you know. And it's when you're away that you really want to kind of get into your roots. How long have you been organizing this meetup group now? Um, it started right after 9-11. Um, I originally started the group. And uh, at that time, you had a, a month or two of free meetup, and then they asked you to, ch you know, to charge you and all this stuff. And I decided I didn't want to, you know, so I let it go. And someone else had picked up the slack, um, and then I got back into it a year or two later. And uh, he was leaving, and he asked if I wanted to take over, and I said sure. So I've been taking it over since then. How many people generally show up to these groups? Uh, well, last week we had 50 people. Um, this week, uh, we had 21 listed to come, uh, and sometimes it's maybe five minus or five over or, you know, uh, it, I guess overall, uh, I would say 15 to 20 people if you just, you know, at a, you know, if you do add those things, you know, whatever, they divide those things. <laughs> Is it a relatively small, tight-knit ukulele community here in New York City? Well, there is, a, there is a community. It is small. It's, uh, it's not as tight-knit because uh, everyone does their own thing. Uh, but when we do get together, we, we definitely have fun. Um, I'm not the only, actually, group. Uh, there is. There's the ukulele salon, and there's also the ukulele cabaret. Uh, the ukulele cabaret was one of the original ones before 9-11, I believe. I believe. Um, so... Um, and we all, you know, try to do our meetups where everyone can go. <laughs> so what do you do at these meetups? Oh, um, well, tonight is our New York City ukulele meetup, and we're going to uh, have 
uh, each person come and sing one song. Uh, we do one round of that. Or they'll bring music and everyone can strum along. Uh, and uh, after the first round, we do a second set of songs and we take a group picture. But it's for people who, you know, want to jam and meet other ukulele enthusiasts, uh, share chords, share music. Um, and overall, uh, just listen to everyone's uh, ability in playing, you know, uh, some more advanced than others. Everyone brings something unique to ukulele and the music. You know, people think, you know, ukulele is a Hawaiian thing, but, you know, no, it's, it's, it's very general, very worldwide. How varied are the people who come here to jam with you? <laughs> Some are uh, housewives, actors, actresses, um, businessmen, uh, IT people, um, some people in the medical field. Uh, it's, it's varied. I think the, on, the only commonality with all ukulele players is we are addicted to it. <laughs> My name is Derek Leaf and I'm from Port Washington on Long Island. I come into the city every month for it. It's just wonderful. It's such a wonderful gathering and so incredibly constructive and supportive. There's none of that uh, one-upmanship in coffee houses or get-togethers of guitarists where everybody's trying to be better than everyone else. Everyone is rooting for you. Everyone is cheering for you. And it doesn't matter if you're a beginner or uh, where you are. Everybody just is rooting for you all the way. the ukulele you tend to sit there alone thinking is there anyone else who plays this instrument and when you're here you realize there are others of your kind and it's kind of wonderful to feel like you belong to this to this tribe of other people who play this instrument it's great so I was preparing a, 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 it's a song from the 90s uh, I'm pretty sure I love the 90s uh, I'm pretty sure some people will will remember this song uh, my name is Javi Beltran, I'm from Spain. I live here since last April. Uh, and I recently joined this meetup like three months ago. Uh, I started to play ukulele by myself. Someone gave it to me as a present and suddenly I saw it like a meetup ukulele. I said, I need to find these crazy people. Because uh, I'm sharing this kind of hobby. And I found it crazy until I came here and I said, okay, I'm not the only one crazy around playing ukulele. But I didn't know anything about ukulele. I just got the ukulele and started to play. Because, you know, ukulele for me was like a funny instrument. I'm a guitarist, so I started to love it more and more, and at some point I started to get interested in ukulele, and then I found all these people that are playing ukulele for the last 50 years, and I said, hell, I need to start practicing and surprise these people. I tried to surprise them with covers and uh, playing in Spanish, or they have fun with me. <laughs> start My name is Nick Masciotti. I am from the Bronx. In 1844, the Democrats were split. The three 
It's a lot of fun. There's, I say, way more people here than I thought there would be, and it's a very enthusiastic crowd and very supportive, and it's great for a uh, fledging like myself. You'll find the ukulele meetup every second Friday of the month in the basement of Maui Tacos in Midtown Manhattan. You're tuned to Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. I'm George Borarki. This morning, we're on the hunt for birds of a feather, BOFs if you will, groups of people that hang out because of a shared interest, like the jugglers who meet once a week at a recreation center in Manhattan's West Village. My name is Vivica Gardiner. I'm a member of the New York City Juggling Club, and I've been coming here for about 16 years, maybe. (laughs) I learned to juggle when I was 29 years old in January of 1996, and I joined this club in March of the same year. Is that considered a late bloomer when it comes to juggling? I don't know. I'm not comparing myself with other people, but people are good jugglers to learn it when they're kids, just like anything else. Like if you want to be a concert pianist or a, a competitive athlete, you need to start young and train well for a long time. So tell me about this club and what brought you to this club 16 years ago. When I joined the New York City Jugglers in 1996, I think it had already been meeting here for about 20 years, and I had been hearing stories about it from performers that I knew, I guess. I worked at the Big Apple Circus at the time, and the club was pretty legendary. And I'd met a few jugglers who mentioned it, so I came by to check it out. And I got hooked. It was a great bunch of people. It's um, changed a lot over the years. We get different waves of members. There are um, some people here who've been here the whole time I have been, and lots of people who have come more recently. Now, as far as the club, is it a membership club? Do you need to join to come? We call ourselves the New York City Jugglers, but there's no actual juggling club. We're just a loose group of whoever shows up. So because we meet at a Parks and Rec facility, um, the gym requires you to be a member of the gym, but there's no fee to join the juggling club. There are other juggling clubs and meetups throughout the city with various levels of overlap among their members and um, people who are here. And it is a club. There are also juggling lessons. I give juggling lessons and there are other juggling lessons, but Beginners um, are welcome here and people are happy to share their equipment or show them a little bit about how to juggle, trade tricks, teach them, and then they'll be expected to practice on their own. How varied would you say the jugglers are who come here in terms of their life outside of here? Oh, the members here range from uh, full-time professional performers to, well, in the room right now, I can see a real estate lawyer, an HIV research doctor, a college student a video producer, a computer informations technologist. So we've got a wide range of, oh, uh, he's a designer, I guess. So we've got a wide range of people here. Sometimes people speculate that jugglers are more interested in math than other people, that there are more musicians in juggling. Um, I'm not sure any of that is true. I think that people get really, um, when people get really hooked on juggling, they tend to associate it with anything else they're into in their lives. So there are people who say juggling is the best way to keep kids off the street or off of drugs or convert them to Christianity or whatever else their particular agenda is. But I think that's just idiosyncratic difference. I don't know if there's really any, any common thread. 
And I don't think we're particularly more coordinated than anybody else, but it's circular. So the more you juggle, the more coordinated you get. The more coordinated you get, of course, the more things you can do. We are in a situation here with no outside distractions, like it forces me to get off my computer and away from Facebook and put in some practice time. And uh, we do share tricks and, and sometimes we pass clubs and do other interactive juggling. My name is Daniel Champ. I'm from Vernon, Connecticut. I've been coming here for about three years now, a little longer than that. Uh, I moved to New York when I started college uh, at Marymount Manhattan College back in 2009. And first thing I did when I got here, I said, "There's got to be other people who do this." So I, I looked. Uh, I was on the website. I was directed to the website. I found this place and haven't stopped coming since. How long have you been juggling? I taught myself when I was a little kid, probably around 10 years old. Why was it important for you to seek out a group of people who also appreciate juggling like you do? You, with anything, especially, I mean, there's a reason all sports are team sports, because you have other people to play with, and those people, when you meet better jugglers, and when I came here, almost everybody was better than me, there's some of the best jugglers in the world live here in New York, and so that's incredible inspiration to get better, to like want to impress them with a new trick. It's like, hey, check out what I'm doing now and how much I've grown. And the last three years have just been all of that. It's just been a growing experience and, and mingling with all the people and meeting great people. It's some of the, it's the greatest group of people I've met in any, any specific group. Uh, they're really friendly and, and so creative and just they, they just get your creative juices flowing just being around them. Besides the love of juggling, do you think that jugglers share common personality traits? Absolutely. We're all very stubborn. We're all very stubborn. When we want to get that trick and it just won't work, we will keep at it until we hit it. So, yeah. I mean, I was just curious because, I mean, I would like to perform more. I'd really like to perform more. And so, if National Service gets you performing more, that would be something I would be interested in. My name is Anthony Antonello. I'm from Westchester, New York, originally. I live in Brooklyn now. I first came to this club, I think, when I was in high school, when I was about 17 or so. I heard about it. I made my dad take me down here from Westchester. So I just started juggling, and I didn't know any other jugglers. And, yeah, so I came down to check it out whenever I could in high school. Um, then I went away to college for four years in Delaware, and I wound up starting my own juggling club there. And now that I've been back from college, I've been coming for about three years. What are you primarily talking about when you get together? Um, well, I mean... It, some my I guess you'd say like my real I guess I say people are like my actual friends, which are most of the people here. So we could talk about things other than juggling. But I guess when you first meet people, you kind of talk about juggling and not too much else because you only have that common ground. But as you get to know people more, then you just you know they're just your friend and not just somebody you juggle with. My name is Adam Schwarzwald. I'm from East Meadow. It's on Long Island. Uh, I recently moved to Jersey City, so now for the last like six months or so, it's a quick ride over the path. What brought you to this club in the first place? Uh, I really like juggling, and this is one of the closest clubs. But what is it about joining a club? I mean, you like juggling, but yet, what is it about joining a club of jugglers? Uh, I really like passing, club passing, and so you need more people, and I don't 
have friends who live nearby that pass, so I come here. How different is juggling from what you do in your professional life? Uh, very. <laughs> I'm a financial services consultant. It is nothing like juggling. What do people say when they find out that you're a juggler? I don't start off with that. Um, people generally know me a long time before I would say something. Why? People think jugglers are just clowns. It's, it's not really a respected thing. It, it's sort of a goofy... Um, I'd say people don't really respect it much. Is that why it's also important to have a club like this, do you think? I guess. I get into math conversations with math friends and computer science conversations with computer science friends. And they're things that I wouldn't necessarily talk about with other people because, one, they don't know enough about it to have a good conversation, but also everyone else would be bored by it. I, if I started talking about site swap with a random person on the street, they wouldn't know what I was talking about. And if they did, they'd be bored very quickly. Whereas here, that's commonplace. Okay, what we're gonna do, I'm gonna do that, there's gonna be a hole. The New York City Jugglers Group meets at the Tony Dapolito Recreation Center in Manhattan's West Village. You'll find more information about them and other juggling clubs at juggleNYC.com. A close cousin to the Jugglers Club here in the city is the New York Unicycle Club. In fact, we saw at least one of the same faces in both groups. Unicyclists get their one wheel on twice a month at Grant's Tomb in Upper Manhattan. On a recent Sunday afternoon, we talked with several one-wheeled riders, including the club's co-founder. My name is David Stone, and I'm the founder or co-founder and unofficial dictator for life of the New York Unicycle Club. Uh, what do you mean? Ah, you mean like the air pressure from around it? Here, let's stop this. Okay, now try it. Nothing, right? When did you launch this club? Back in January of 2001, having already spoken with a friend of mine about the need for a New York City-based unicycle club for maybe the three or four months prior to that. Now you say the need for a New York City-based unicycle club. What was the need? Well, there were a few of us who were getting interested or interested once again in unicycling, and we hung out a few times before the creation of the club and decided that we should really put something together because there was no club in New York City at the time. There had been one back in the 90s, and I had actually ridden with them once, and after doing a little bit of research, we realized that it was going to be up to us, since no one else had taken it upon themselves to start a New York-based unicycle club. How many members did you start off with? Our first get-together had seven of us. And eventually we've grown to about 350, you know, pseudo-online members. Our, our, our database of members is about 350. And we'll usually get about 30 or 40 here on a nice day. How long have you been riding a unicycle? I've been riding since I was 13. I, I bought my first unicycle with the last bit of my bar mitzvah money. So I've been riding now for 32 years. Is there a typical member of the New York City Unicycle Club? I think that our membership used to be much more adult. And then as those adults came out with their kids and their kids started riding, it became much more about younger members. And we have perhaps a larger number of kids these days than we ever did before. Right, so the unicycle's not going to back up. So you know what I'm saying? When you put your pressure down, if you're out there... If you push down on this thing, the unicycle is going to back up on you. My name is Andrew Haggerty. I'm from uh, Poquake, New York, and I go to SUNY Maritime College up in the Bronx. It's really interesting. We get a lot of characters here. Um, that's 
I mean, there are people that have been doing this. We, there are guys who've been doing this for 50 years, and that's just, you know, you talk to them, and they've been, <laughs> they've been riding for three times as long as I've been alive. So it's just a really unique experience. You don't, you don't find that in too many other places. The, the real, there's no generation gap, really. Just everybody kind of kind of mixes. They're, my parents are, you know, they're in their 50s and, and they're riding. They're learning to ride at the same time as kids who are, you know, five and six and, and you know, ten. And uh, they're helping each other out, and it's really it's a really neat thing to see. Now you're gonna put you're gonna put your foot. Now you're gonna push yourself up. Give yourself a good push, and at the same time, you're gonna. My name is Ray Hinton, and I'm from. Uh, well, I just moved into the city, actually, living up on 140th Street, but uh, I'm from New Jersey. I've been unicycling uh, on my own for like five or six years. Um, never really had anyone to unicycle with, uh, so now, I mean, it's just such a you know, great place to come hang out with uh, other unicyclers. It's just so much fun to see, like, all the different kinds of unicycles everyone has. Also, just, um, you know, getting, like, the, the motivation to, like, try new tricks and, like, uh, also just getting, um, you know, like, ideas from other people. And, like, if I'm learning, uh, trying to learn a trick, you know, people can tell me what they've done that work, you know, ways that they've tried to uh, learn tricks. Um, also, just, you know, generally hanging out with like-minded people. You know. Good friends. Everybody's different. How many hours are we talking, though, like? Hundred or as a teenager, I fight between two walls. Right, two walls. That's how I That's the best way to learn between two walls. Yeah. So you can reach. Yeah. Yeah. A pole or somebody's shoulder is not good. Between two walls, the best because then you can. Right. When you get, you just put your stretch out your arm. My name is Irene Ginsberg, and I'm from Manhattan. I'm still trying to learn the unicycle, so I think it's a, a fun way to learn with other people, and you know, there's a lot of camaraderie. It's you know, it's fun. It's just so different. It's a different clique of people, you know. Everybody is, like, you know, really open-minded and willing to try new things. Um, I think if somebody were just, like, really set in their ways and not willing to try anything new, very stiff, they probably wouldn't find the unicycle appealing. So I think that that's probably, that's, that's probably typical of most unicyclists or people who want to ride. Right like that. Don't try and stand up yet. There you go. Now just... Right from there, push forward towards me. Stand up on the unicycle. Stand up hard. The New York Unicycle Club meets twice a month at Grant's jump. Tomb in Upper jump, Manhattan. Jump. The group's online at newyorkunicycle.com, and it's just another example of birds of a feather flocking together. So what is it exactly that drives this whole birds of a feather mentality? To get some answers, we turned to Dr. Kelly Harding. She's an assistant professor of clinical psychiatry at Columbia University's College of Physicians and Surgeons and New York State Psychiatric Institute. Dr. Harding, thanks so much for taking the time. Oh, my pleasure. The old saying goes, birds of a feather flock together. But why is it that people of similar taste congregate in groups? Well, you know, I think there are a couple things to think about when it comes to groups. You know, human beings by nature are social creatures. And we know that um, being social in itself is good for our physical and mental health. And um, the other thing to think about is that actually social clubs in themselves, whatever the activity, whether it's juggling, bowling, volunteering, even, you know, like religious groups, church groups, they tend to actually expand our worldview and reduce stereotypes. Part of that is just interacting with people with different backgrounds. So I actually 
Kelly would say, it's not necessarily that birds of a feather flock together, but rather those who flock together become birds of a feather. Hmm. Um, There's actually some really interesting data from starting way back in the 1950s with, um, there was a professor by the name of Alpert that came up with this theory called the contact hypothesis. And this is the idea that interpersonal contact of any sort, particularly that that occurs in, you know, the sustained activities we do in social groups actually can help reduce stigma and reduce stereotypes um, through one-on-one, um, con- one-on-one activities that, you know, are social in nature and where people get to experience each other in different ways outside of, you know, maybe the concepts that they have of those people before they get together. I was wondering, though, if fear of rejection has anything to do with our want to hang out with like-minded people. Well, you know, I guess being being human, we're sensitive to rejection. So oftentimes there's, you know, that's why we sort of look for something where we have a hook of an interest. But, you know, humans are multidimensional and have lots of different interests. Um, And that's what's so terrific, especially in a city like New York. There's so many different ways to have an interest, to come together, and to get to know different people in different ways. And again, it's really, you know, we know that being social is is really good for our physical and mental health. And it's really interesting because when we think about health, often we need to think about health as a concept beyond just our biology, our genome, and medical technology, but really, you know, our social interactions. We know that um, it's actually really interesting that people who participate in groups have better cardiac outcomes, that um, even things like marriage and, um, and other social activities seem to promote longevity. And even in a city like New York, I think a lot of people saw this after September 11th, where, you know, people came together in groups to volunteer and might have really seen, you know, a different side of New York and bonded together in a way that was different than before. And they realized they had more in common than they might have thought of. I actually think some of these social groups might be why New York in general is a tolerant place whether it's in the workplace or our social lives, we're interacting with people constantly that have different backgrounds than us. All right, Dr. Kelly Harding, thanks so much for your time. Oh, sure. My pleasure, George. Dr. Kelly Harding is an assistant professor of clinical psychiatry at Columbia University's College of Physicians and Surgeons and New York State Psychiatric Institute. And that's it for this week's show. Like what we do here on Cityscape? Then flock on over to our Facebook and Twitter pages. We're listed on both as WFUV's Cityscape. I'm George Boldarki. My thanks to producers Julie Clark and Vanson Lee. Have a great weekend.